This is Photo BizX, episode number 476, and today we are talking pet photography again with a photographer who has a totally different business model to most. She works three months of the year, has nine months off, and photographs clients and their pets while on the road and traveling. And her business is now more profitable working three months of the year than when she had a shop front studio, one of the leading studios in Las Vegas. I know you're going to love this interview. And our special guest is Arika Dorf, and it's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Like I said, it's an interview with another pet photographer. We seem to be on a little run at the moment with pet photographers, but the really cool thing about today's interview with Arika is that whatever she shares can be 100% applied to your photography business no matter what genre of portraits you photograph, whether it's kids, families, I'm guessing possibly newborns, but certainly family or kids, pets, of course, and potentially even wedding photography. So stick around for this one's coming up in just a minute. And if you didn't catch last week's episode with Ina Jalil, make sure you do get back and have a listen to what Ina shared. She is a total inspiration. She's only been in business for a couple of years is so profitable already. She's an absolute sponge when it comes to learning on how to grow her business successfully. In fact, as this episode goes live, she's over in New Zealand from Canberra in Australia on a workshop photographing in the snow and looking to improve her craft and her art as well as the business side of things. Again, Ina shared so much in last week's episode. So if you're struggling with your pet or portrait photography business, particularly if you are in the early days, make sure you get back and have a listen to what she shared. Just before we jump into this interview with Arika, I do want to share details about the upcoming Facebook and Instagram lead ads course. It's being hosted by John Glazer, who will be a familiar name to you if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time or if you are a premium member. John is an absolute powerhouse when it comes to photography business. He is a numbers man, and I think it's safe to say he's more of a business operator than a photographer these days. Now, as much as he loves photography, his photography, being a great photographer, it's the business side of things where he really excels. And he has exceeded $500,000 US dollars in his business in the last couple of years. He's on track to hit a million dollar turnover. That's US dollars, a million dollar turnover in his portrait photography studio. Now, he too photographs pets, families, kids, seniors. He does some headshots as well. But primarily, his business is focused on portraits. And over 90%, I would even say 95% of his leads, and he can share the exact number with you, come from Facebook ads. Now, when I say Facebook ads, I'm talking about Facebook and Instagram ads. In fact, he's been so successful with his lead generation through Facebook and Instagram that in addition to his photography studio in Houston, in Texas, in the US, he's opened a second studio in New York City just recently. And 
He's generating leads exactly the same way that he always has using Facebook and Instagram, in particular lead ads, and he's getting bums on seats in New York City just as easily as he has been in Houston. The reason I'm telling you this is whatever he's doing in regards to his ads, you can apply the same strategies, the same tactics to your business, to your ads, and John is going to be coming on and teaching us exactly what he's doing in regards to his ads so you can emulate his processes exactly. Now, the training is going to be live and via Zoom. It's happening on the 25th of August, 2022, so later this month at 7 a.m. Australian Eastern Time. But I do have a link where you can find your local time. It may be your Wednesday, not your Thursday morning like it will be for me. The cost of the training is $197.00. It will be recorded, so you'll have access to the recording and it's going to become a standalone course immediately, well, as quick as I can get it done after the live delivery from John. And I'll have all the supporting assets there on that course page on the photobizx.com website. Now, the price of the course is going up $100 immediately after the live training. So if you register beforehand, you get access to the live training You get access to the recording and the standalone course once the live training has been delivered. Now, there's more details over at photobizx.com forward slash lead ads. So it's photobizx.com forward slash lead ads. You'll see a ton of information about what you'll be learning in the live training and the recording all there on that page. But I can give you a little bit of an outline here that John sent me. He's obviously going to go into his numbers and then your numbers so you need to really know how many sessions you want to be shooting per week per month per year and from there that's going to dictate the budget that you're going to need to support your lead ads to bring in the number of leads that you need to your business so he's going to show you and share with you his marketing and estimation cost sheet he's going to go into lead ads specifically and why they are different from the traditional ads that you might have been running why these lead ads work so well on Instagram where so many other ads don't. In fact, you can get a lot more leads from Instagram than you ever have using John's strategies that he's going to be sharing. He's going to go into detail on exactly how to create your lead ad, how to set up your lead form, what questions to include, what not to ask. He's going to go over your campaign budget optimization. He's going to touch on ad copy. And then he's going to go into what you should be doing with your leads once you have them. So how you get them from Facebook and Instagram into your CRM, how to warm up those leads, how to get them to respond to your text messages, and even automate the process to get them to book a call with you so you can better qualify them and get them booked in for a session. There'll be time for a Q&A afterwards as well. And I'm expecting that the training to go for a maximum of two hours, including the Q&A session. So again, more details are over on the registration page at photobizx.com forward slash lead ads. Oh, and I should say, John's going to go into the numbers, what everything means when it comes to creating and monitoring your ads, things like cost per lead, conversion costs, impressions, all the different things you see inside the ads manager that you might be confused about. He's going to go into those in detail so you can understand exactly what you're looking at when you create your lead ads following the training. It should be absolutely fantastic. It really does sound like an awesome course that John's putting together for us. So I'm looking forward to seeing you then and there. 
You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Alrighty, we're going to jump into this interview with Arika Dorf. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Arika. I am saving a large portion out of the middle for premium members only. That's when we get into the nitty gritty of the marketing and sales part of what she's doing. So if you are loving what she shares in the first half, and you'd like to hear the full interview today with Arika, you can do that for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. There are more details about that at photobizx.com forward slash try. All right, let's get into this interview. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest was born in Japan, raised in Hawaii, and moved to Las Vegas while earning her degree in psychology. Today, though, she's a pet photographer with a different business model to most. In addition to offering painted pet portraits, she sets off on an annual pet photography road trip for around three months every single year. She's accompanied by her bloodhound, Gracie, and they set off on a route dictated by the photography bookings in a fully decked out camper van. Her working photography road trip from last year took her literally from one side of the country and back again. And after nine successful years as Las Vegas's top pet photographer and employing staff, she left all that behind to start doing these road trips. I'm talking about Arika Dorf, and I'm wrapped to have her with me now. Arika, welcome. Andrew, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. That's such a fun intro. I'm like, I want to live that life. Oh, wait, that is my life. Yay. So does it still feel like that to you? Like, wow, like this is my life? Well, you know, I think it's like anything. It's like, you know, people see, like when they think about my life, they think about like the Instagram side of it, right? Like the beautiful sunsets and the places you're going hiking and like no one's there. Like when your van breaks down and when you get a flat tire and you're stuck in a ditch and there's like a creepy person parked next to you, right? Like that's like, they're not there for that. That's not what they think van life is. So it's just normal. It's like anything, right? If you live in a house, if you have a storefront, if you have a business in your home, like you're going to have all the ups and downs of everything, right? So, but it's fun to hear your introduction because it's all like the highlights of like, oh, that's a cool life, (laughs) you know? That's the Instagram intro. (laughs) Totally, it is. I love it. Yeah. But really, I mean, when I left my full-time job and became a full-time photographer, I mean, I still still had trouble believing that I was a photographer, you know, six, 12 months down the track. Even five years later, I thought, I can't believe I'm making a living as a photographer and paying off my mortgage and supporting a family. Like you must feel the same a little about your van life. No, I do. And it's been so empowering because I've like really gotten into the business side of things and understanding my numbers ever since I sold my studio. Because when I had my studio and I loved it and it was beautiful and it was 2,500 square feet and we had, you know, chandeliers and just the whole thing. But I was bleeding money in that place. You know, like I paid my employees. I paid myself a very small salary. I had a 10% salary off the gross is what I paid myself. So it was just like so different now. Like I'm so into my numbers and wanting to be profitable and encouraging other people to be profitable and understanding your numbers. I just think that's so important. You know, I think so many people just go through their businesses blindly going like, well, I have to pay my rent. My rent's that much. Like I have to pay my employees. I have to pay these things. And then I get what's left over. 
And I'm like, no, there's another way to do it, <laughs> you know? Well, let's get into that. But before we get into the actual numbers, before I hit record, and I wasn't aware of this, but you know, in the intro, I said you travel for three months, but is that right that you have the rest of the year off? I do. Yeah. So I do my pet photography road trip in the fall. So September, October, November, and I wrap things up a little bit in December, but yeah, I take the other eight, nine months off and I do some pet paintings, you know, here and there, but that's just remotely. And it's at my convenience. I'm not meeting up with people for that. I'm just doing it by email, then drop shipping it to them. But yeah, I just travel for the nine months and I'm off. I'm off, off. I'm doing some speaking gigs here and there, but I don't take photography sessions in my time off. Right. But you're more profitable now than when you had a full-time studio and staff. Big time. Yeah. So my gross isn't as high because I was grossing more. I was shooting 250 sessions at the studio, but the percentage that I'm keeping in my pocket and the percentage and just the overall number that I pay myself, my salary has over doubled doing this lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. So back when you were doing 250 sessions in the studio in Las Vegas, what was your revenue then? I was grossing about 250000 So yeah, it was about $1,000 per client, $1,200 around there. Okay. So you're grossing 250 and you're paying yourself twenty five. Yeah. That literally <laughs> is what I was taking home back then. It was insane. Wow. Yeah. I know. Isn't that funny? So from the outside looking in, like you said, you know, you see these chandeliers, these high ceilings, these, the staff, the whole thing. Yeah. People would think you would be a millionaire. Right. And it's just because my rent was $4,000 a month at the studio. I had three employees and I felt like I needed it all because I was like, well, I have to have a salesperson. I have to have an editing person. I have to have a front desk person. And I did to keep myself sane, but it wasn't the most profitable. I mean, you know, I paid off my loan I did pay my employees. We were never like in debt, but it was like, at the end of the day, like I have nothing to show in retirement for this. And I'm literally like making $25,000 a year, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Crazy. Yeah. And you don't have the lifestyle that you have now either. Like you would have been working your butt off. Exactly. Oh yeah. I was tied to it. I was married to the studio for sure. Yeah. So can you just touch on how you got to that point? In regards to the money, so I mean, I'm guessing, and I don't know if this is right, that you know you would have been profitable when you first opened the studio, and then you start adding things like staff costs go up, or was it always you know chasing things? Yeah, so it was pretty much the same for the nine years that I had the studio. We always grossed over two hundred thousand dollars, so it was always in that two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars right out of the gate. And my expenses are pretty much the same the whole time. I mean, I did add employees, so that's a little bit of an expense. Like in the beginning, I had a partner that was. Uh, Um, I had a business partner and then I had a spouse who was helping as well. But over time I hired employees. So that was the only other expense, but all the other expenses were the same. My rent was 4,000 from the time I started until the time that I ended. And just all the expenses that come with a studio storefront, you know, like your air conditioning breaks and it's $5,000 and um, just all the things. So no, it wasn't like I started out profitable and it was kind of the same the whole time. Wow. And then I'm guessing you have an accountant and, uh, you know, you, you would have been looking at your figures at least once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. Did you envision, you know, turning over $500,000, you know, and making it profitable that way? And how did you think it was going to get profitable? I don't know besides raising my prices because, you know, now I look back and the answer would have been like, if I was coaching myself back then, right, if I was a business coach for myself, I would have said, you need to cut your expenses. Your expenses are too high because 
the percentage of money that's going to operate your business, you know, shouldn't be more like right now, my operating expenses are 10% of my gross, you know? Right. Okay. Yeah. That's taking care of everything. My marketing, my gas for my road trips, um, email, you know, all the things it's my Adobe Photoshop subscriptions. It's like taking care of all of those bills and expenses. But yeah, before I think my operating expenses were like 40% or 50% or something. And that's like, you know, not even counting taxes and payroll and all the other things, you know? So I don't think there was a big plan back then. I think it was just blindly kind of living the dream. You had this beautiful studio and you aren't in the red, right? You are like making money. You're just not making as much money as you should, but you're making money. You're paying your employees. Your clients are super happy. So, and I think as far as my accountant to answer that question, like, I think that's one of the issues I think with traditional accounting that, and I appreciated my accountant so much, but he always wanted me to not have a profit because then I would have to pay more income tax on that. <laughs> that seems ridiculous. Right. And it's like, I see companies who are like, well, where can we spend money or how can we sponsor this softball team to spend more money at the end of the year? So we're not paying so much in income tax. And like, yeah, it does seem ridiculous to me because I look at that now and I'm like, if I have to pay a ton in income tax, it means that I'm running a profitable business. Yes. That's my goal. I'm yes. okay paying the income tax. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, back then he was like, oh, okay, good job. You only have this much where if I would have like, oh, I'm paying myself 70,000 and he would have been like, mm, like it's a lot of income tax. You need to spend more money. Wow. You know what I mean? That's so, so backwards to the way that I think. And by the way, you, you think too, by the sound of it. Right. Yeah. I think so too. I know. I'm going to move on, I promise. But did you feel successful when you had that studio? Because it would have looked amazing from the outside. Mm, it didn't. I mean, it was successful in its own way, right? How do you define success, right? No, but did you walk out at a home every morning thinking, I'm excited to go to work? Or was it, Yeah. holy crap, I'm scared. Like this is... No, I loved it. I loved it. And it was my little sanctuary. And even like the FedEx person would come and deliver packages and be like, I just want to hang out in here all day. It's so peaceful. You know, like, and clients would like spend money, you know, one or $2,000 on portraits and then be like thanking us. Like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like, thank you for doing this. This was amazing. You know, or you did portraits for me last month. My dog passed away. Like, this is my greatest treasure. So it was very fulfilling in those ways. So I think that as far as defining success, I think the only big thing that I wish I would have had during that time was like saving money towards retirement. Like, could my paycheck have been higher? Sure. But would it have been nice to have that extra money to like put into retirement to have something to kind of show for all of that at the end of it? Of course, you know, but, but my clients were thrilled and the community was thrilled and I was doing adoption portraits for the rescues and shelters complimentary. And that's actually how I met Gracie. I did her adoption portrait wow. for one of the rescues and adopted her. So there was a lot of things that were quote successful about it, right? From a financial standpoint, it's like, um, but, but no, I was happy. I was super happy at the studio. I was just burnt out by the end of it. I was just burnt out. All right, last question before we move on. Talking about you being your own business coach and saying to yourself, you know, you need to cut costs. Where would you have cut those costs? So right now I do profit first. That's like that book changed my life. That's what I'm doing now to understand my numbers. And I don't know if you're familiar with profit first, but just having all the separate bank accounts instead of having all of your money in one big account. So the idea with profit first is just you 
take your income, right? All the money that you bring in and then you split it into these different accounts. So you put X amount of percent into your payroll and X amount into your operating expenses and cost of goods and everything, right? So if there's not enough money in your expense account, let's say to pay your rent, it's a super simple concept. It's like the envelope system. It's just saying you literally can't afford those expenses if there's not enough money there. Right. Right. So that would have just been such a simple eye opener for me to go, okay, you don't have to pay this rent. You don't have to pay the employees, these things that you've taken on and your business can't afford it based on your income. You can't afford $4,000 a month in rent. You need to be grossing like a million dollars a year if you're going to pay. But I understand what you're saying, but you were affording all those things. The only envelope that was a little bit empty was yours. Was mine. Right. So that's the one you would fill first. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like for a couple of years, is it fun? Yeah. I own a business and I help the community. Cool. But like as a career, like let's pay ourselves, you know, and put some money in our pocket. So yeah, the idea is pay yourself first. And then the money that's left over, that's what you use to pay for your business. And if there's not enough money in those envelopes, you can't afford those things. You know, so it just would have been like, I literally can't afford to be in this storefront. Maybe I can afford a studio, but I can't afford this one. Got it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So, okay. So you hit a point where you think, okay, it's time to get out of this. Is that, you know, do you get sick? Do you just get, do you feel burnt out? Like what happens? What's the changeover? Yeah, I was burnt out to where, you know, people would come in for their portrait session and my studio manager would greet them and take them back to the, you know, camera room area and serve them hot tea and their dogs would get some water and they would hang out. And I would just go in my office for a minute and like do a deep breath and be like, okay, you can do this. Okay. And then I would go in and that's when I knew like, that's not okay. If I'm feeling that way with these people who are so excited to be there and you know, and I loved it once I got into it and I'm with their dogs and it's great. But yeah, just that initial like, oh, I have to shoot sessions today. Oh. Ugh. You know, like <laughs> that's how I was feeling every day. And I was like, this isn't okay. So I actually didn't think I was going to do photography anymore. When I sold my studio, I thought I was done forever. I never thought I was going to pick up a camera again. And it's not because I hated it, but I just like, I was like, nope, that's done. Check. Next thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you sold the studio. I did. Is it still running? It's not. No. The gal didn't keep it open for too long after I left. That was in Vegas and I moved away to the Pacific Northwest. Got it. So how long after you closed down do you get this idea for the, the van life and running a business from the van? Yeah. So I actually didn't buy the van right away. I actually sold the studio and I was doing photography road trips out of my SUV. I just had a bed in the back of my SUV and I was, you know, traveling not around the whole country, but on the West, you know, and I was still, it was a three month road trip still. And it was just me and Gracie. And I was just living in a house, you know, and doing that in the SUV for the three months. So when I moved out of that house, you know, life things changed. I was like, I still want a travel vehicle. And I'm not going to like, if I move out of a house and move into my SUV, I'm homeless. 
Like that's like legit, you're homeless, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but is. I was like, but if I move out of a house and I move into like a beautiful camper van that has a shower and a sink and a stove and hot water and a refrigerator, I was like, that's like luxury, you know? <laughs> so yeah, so I decided to build the van. But I, at that point, I had been doing the road trip business model, three months on, nine months off. I was doing that for like four years already. Oh, wow. So you, you knew that it was working. Like yeah. It was going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. And when I started it, I didn't think it was going to turn into what it is. You know, when I started it, I just thought like, oh, well, I'd like to travel. That'd be fun. I'll just shoot some sessions along the way. That'll kind of like pay for my gas. Like, cool. You know? And then it like became this thing where I was like, this is like a legit business model. And I only have to do it for like a quarter of the year. You know, it's, am I being presumptuous in saying that you went through a divorce as well? I did. Yeah. So I was married for 15 years and, um, we sold the studio and moved to Washington state together. And then we were there for four or five years and then we ended up separating. And then that's when I built the van, when I moved out of that house. Cause I was like, I don't know where I want to live, which was amazing, like a blessing and a curse at the same time, right? You're like, I don't have kids keeping me somewhere. I don't have family that I have to be by right now. You know, I don't have a job that's keeping me. I was like, I can go anywhere. And then I was like, yeah. wait, I can go anywhere. You know, it was like- <laughs> It's too big, too big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's when I was like, I like, it felt weird to buy a house or, you know, sign a lease on an apartment in like a random city somewhere when I didn't have to be anywhere. And there was nothing pulling me. Like, I didn't want to go back to Vegas. That's where my studio was before. I grew up in Hawaii. And I was like, well, I don't want to go back to Hawaii because my clients are all on the mainland. So I was like, I'm just going to build the van. And then I'll have a travel vehicle for my road trips. And then it turned into like, well, why don't I just live in the van for a while and figure out where I want to settle? And now I'm like, I don't want to settle. I just want to <laughs> live in the van. <laughs> so I like love it. That's so good. So you got the van built. Yeah. You already know that the business model can work because you've been doing it for a few years. Yeah. So and what happens from there? Like, how do you get clients? Yeah. So I think that was the cool thing in the beginning that most people who want to do van life are like, okay, I'm going to do van life and let me quit my job and figure out how I can make money from the road. And mine was the opposite. I already had the business. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to go do van life now. And I have this like, perfect mobile business that works for it, you know? But yeah, my clients are, um, it's kind of honestly all stemming from my studio at Vegas. So Vegas is one of those places that people are always moving in and out of and getting transferred places for work. Like I think if my business originally was in like a really small town, I don't think I would have as many clients around the country as I have right now. So am I right to assume that a lot of your clients are repeat clients and they're from a mailing list that you built while you're in Vegas? Yeah. So I couldn't keep the mailing list because that was part of the, you know, non-compete and selling. Right. As an asset. Mm -hmm. But social media was huge for me. So I'm friends and I always have been friends with almost all of my clients on social media. So there's people even now when I do portrait sessions, like do my road trips who the last time I saw them was 10 years ago. And they're booking a session with me now. 10 years later, I haven't seen them since then because they've been following me on social media all this time. Right. So hang on. So, Arika, that means you actually became Facebook friends with your yes. by your personal account. And also, you, yes. did you have a personal Instagram account as well as the business one? Yes. So I had both. And when I sold the studio, the business one obviously went with that business. 
but I've always, and it wasn't a plan. It's just how it worked out. I've just always been friends with all of my clients on my personal account on social media. And they just knew what I was up to and what I was doing. And it's just so interesting. Like people are kind of like, like 10 years ago, people would have been like, you're living in a van, you're homeless and (laughs) you're a bum where now it's like, you're living the dream, you know? So it's like, people are like vicariously living through me. So like, it's kind of part of my marketing, honestly, like just not talking about photography at all on my personal page. It's all just my travels and my dog and paddle boarding and swimming and going to these places. And those are all people who are booking sessions with me who are like, oh my gosh, I love following your adventures. And oh, I saw you did this and I saw you did that. You know, So I think people just want to support people they like and people tend to like what I'm doing. So it's kind of cool. So does it still feel organic to you? Like you, you talked about paddle boarding and I don't know, yeah. rock climbing and doing all the things you're doing. Do you feel like you have to do that stuff to produce content? No, not like, not at all. And if you look at my social media, I'm a super open, honest person about what's going on. So like I posted on, you know, Instagram the other day, like I was at the beach and it was my birthday and I just needed to get away. You know, I went by myself and just had like the most beautiful day. And I was like dancing on the beach and I was taking (laughs) videos of being like, I'm so happy. And on the way home, I was crying the whole time. And I posted that and I posted it just going like, Yep. So highs and lows, I'm sharing it all, you know? And so I just, I think that's important for people not just to see that like typical Instagram side of anything, of humans, of business, of van life, of whatever. So I just try to be really honest about that kind of stuff. You know, I posted on social media that at the end of my last road trip, I had a nervous breakdown or a panic attack. And I just kind of talked through that. And it's so interesting how people, kind of gravitate towards like, thank you for being so honest. And then they open up about what they're going through. And yeah, so no, I don't feel like I ever need to create content. That's just, um, and my business page goes very, very quiet in the nine months. I'm not posting regularly there. I'm just posting what's happening in my life on my personal pages. Okay, so that really is my question there because I see, say, uh, YouTube or Instagram or TikTok content creators, they feel the pressure to produce content continuously. So you don't feel that pressure. No, because if I'm not doing anything, I'm not posting. Or if I like, (laughs) if something's going on, like I'll be like, had a rough day today. I feel like there's a cloud hanging over my head. Like, but. I know it'll be better tomorrow. Like I'm just posting the real stuff that's happening, but no, I'm not, I'm not creating content by any means intentionally. Yeah. Why were you crying on the way home from the beach after that amazing day? You know, I wonder because, okay, I have a few theories. My theory that day was that it's like sugar that like, I've been like, so sugar gives you like a high and then you crash. So I was like, I had a ton of sugar today and now I feel like I'm crashing, but metaphorically, cause I don't eat sugar. But I honestly, I think what's happening is a couple things. I think one thing is that I've always been a very consistent person and it served me very, it has, and it still does serve me very well in my life. Like I've never had major highs and lows. People know what to expect from me. It's never going to be a guessing game of like, "Mm, what's ARCA going to be like today? It's just like, you know what you're going to get from me, you know? So that has served me well in my business. But I also think that that made me a little bit numb to life a little bit because there was really nothing that got me super excited and nothing that got me super sad. It was just kind of like, I'm just even, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think since I've been in the van, um, 
and I know this is like kind of getting off topic because it's not so much like business related. It's all good. But yeah, just human related, right? Yeah. Um, it's, and I just think that I've been more in touch with myself and with my soul and who I am and getting to know myself and letting myself feel those highs and lows. You know, so when I had that like panic attack at the end of last road trip, I was kind of like patting myself on the back being like, good for you for like letting yourself feel that deeply that you had a panic attack. Like that's kind of cool as a human to be able to experience something you've never experienced, you know? So I think that's part of it. But I think the other thing is that like living in the van, I spent a lot of time by myself and I'm not immersed in society the way that most people are. So I'm already like kind of a sensitive person to noises and auditory and visual and those things. Like I can't listen to music loud. If we're watching a movie and it's too loud, like it's just gives me anxiety because I'm like, can we please turn the volume down? You know, <laughs> but I think like living in the van has like made me go inward so much more that like it's easy for me to get overwhelmed. Right. Right. So like if I hang out with people or like go visit my best friend who has three kids and they're running all over the place and then one is crying and then one spilled something. I'm like, I need to go to the van and take a break. <laughs> You know, because like, and I think if you're always working or around coworkers and dealing with stress, like you build up a tolerance for it. So I think my tolerance for that is very low. So on, on one hand, it's like beautiful and great because I live this like quiet, peaceful life. But then on the other hand, it's like, I can't handle a lot, if that makes any sense. It does. So do you feel like you have to, because I guess there's a risk of going too far, you know, to being that quiet person where society almost scares you like do you have to force yourself to go into town you know and go shopping and you know mix with people at a coffee shop yeah i don't i don't think i need to force myself to because i think naturally just as being human like you need that and crave that so you just go and find it when you need it you know so it's like i do van meetups a lot where a bunch of van lifers get together and you know just hanging out or meeting up with friends or doing whatever so i think it's a good balance between like when we need that we do it and when we want our alone time, we take our alone time. But like, yeah, I'm definitely not like the person who's like living out in the forest for six months and haven't seen other humans. Like, that's definitely not my life. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay. um, I kind of I get a good balance. Cool. Yeah. When you had the studio in Vegas and you said the email list was an asset that you had to let go. Was that a big part of the business or big part of that business, the email list? No, because I would say at that point, at the end of it, maybe in the very beginning, because I opened my studio in 2006. So probably in the beginning, it was because social media wasn't really a thing then. And I would say at the end of it, I sold in 2015. And I still have an email list now because there still are a handful of people who aren't on social media and who like message me and they're like, oh, it's so fun to get your like annual updates because I send like maybe four emails a year. And that would be a lot. I mean, I would say like, I'm at the point right now where I'm sending like two emails a year, you know, but these people are like, oh, it's so great to see your annual update because they don't know what's happening because they're not on social media. But I, I think at that time when I sold, I was friends already with so many people on social media that I don't think it made that big of a difference. God, okay. So really then all your bookings, your whole road trip, your three months is all around social. It's booked up via social media. Yeah. So, and for me specifically, it's Facebook. So I don't know if I've ever gotten a single client. I mean, I have some clients who follow me on Instagram, but my clientele's on Facebook. Okay. So what do you do? Do you say, Hey guys, it's coming up to fall. I'm planning my road trip. Yeah. So in the summer I send out an email just saying, you know, gearing up for 
my pet photography road trip starting in September, starting to, you know, collect the list of, you know, an I'm interested list. So let me know if you want to be added to my I'm interested list. So I'm not booking at that time. I'm just getting people responding saying, hey, I'm interested. And then in the middle of August, so I'm teaching a pet photography retreat this coming week. And then after that, that's when I sit down and I'm like, okay, let me look at my I'm interested list. Let me make a map of all those people. And that's my tentative route, even though they might not book, but that's mm-hmm. my tentative route for what my road trip's going to look like, at least so I have a starting point. Because what I found when I first started doing road trips was like, if you just tell people, I'm going to do a cross country road trip and I can go anywhere. It's kind of like being a photographer who's like, I can do anything. I can do soccer portraits, weddings. I can do babies. Like, let me know. And like, we're, it's not niche enough, right? Or niche enough. So, but if we say like, I'm a pet photographer or I'm, you know, this specific wedding photographer or whatever, it's like, oh, then I want to hire you for my wedding. And it's like, but wait, I, I told you I could have done that. But when you do everything, it's too much, sure. right? So that's what I found with my road trips. If I, you know, in the very first year I did it, you know, Hey, going to go cross country. Let me know if you're interested. Like very few people across the country on the other side of the country were telling me they were interested. But once I created a tentative route, people are like, Oh my gosh, you're only going to be an hour from me. Can you come to my place? And it's like, right. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm creating that tentative route with the I'm interested list. And then of course I edit it, you know, and alter it based on who's booking session. Okay. So you're posting this tentative map as you go. So people start seeing where you might be. Yeah. And I actually, I book everything in September so or in August. So when I hit the road September 1st, even if your portrait session isn't like November 30th, you're booked in, in August. So I'm not really adding sessions as I go. Oh, okay. It's kind of more just, I'm just booking it all. I collect everyone's creation fee and then I hit the road. And of course, there's always like a few people here and there who are like, oh, like I forgot to reach out to you. When are you going to be here? You know, but the majority, like 95% of the sessions are book solid by the time I hit the road in September. Okay. So how many sessions do you look to book for three months? Yeah, 50. 50 in three months. Okay. Yeah. So let's say 16, 17 per month. Yeah. So let's say that you're in my area, Linda and I get you in to photograph us and our pet, our dog. And we say, you know what, we've got a friend who would love this. Could you do it? What do you say? Um, It's never worked out when I'm actually there. But it's one of those things that that would be a better referral because it's you guys, right? Doing a session with me. And then you're telling your friend about it because you understand the process. You understand the pricing. You understand, you know, whatever. But usually people need to kind of follow me at least for a year before they book a session. So I'll do it. If I'm in the city and I don't have to be somewhere the very next day, I'll reach out to that person and I'll just, oh, hey, I'm doing Andrew's portraits and I heard you might be interested. Here's my product menu. You know, and if the day and time works for them, that's great. But generally it's too big of an investment for people when they hear just pet photography and they don't know who you are because that's part of what people pay for with us, right? They're paying for us. They're not just paying for our photography. It's like they're paying for the experience of working with us and all of that. So sometimes it's too big of an investment for someone who doesn't know me. It's like, so when I go to a city, like some people are like, oh, cool. You must just like go to dog parks and hand out your business cards. I'm like, yeah, no, (laughs) like that's not, that's not my clientele. Um, You know, not saying my clients aren't going to dog parks, but just like, that's not the people who are just like, I'm not doing a hundred dollar session. You know, it's like my sales average right now on my road trips is 2,400. 
So it's like someone at a you know dog park is not thinking that, oh, you do pet photography, cool. I'm going to drop $2,400 on portraits, right? So usually it's kind of like the, you know, back in the day, they used to say the rule of seven, like clients need to see or hear about your business seven times before they act on it or before they use the services themselves. So that's why back in the day, I used to like have art displays at, you know, when I had my studio, like vets and groomers, and I used to go to outdoor events and I used to show up at events and donate to silent auctions. And then people would see my work all over and then they would book a session. But sometimes it was like years. Sometimes it was two or three years and then they would book a session. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that length of time because I want lifetime clients. Like I'm not looking for people who are just like at a dog park and like, oh, cool. 10 minutes, meet me in the parking lot. Like that's two portraits. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm okay if they follow me on social media for a couple of years and then really think about it and really want to do it and then commit. Oh yeah, for sure. So this is a luxury product they're getting from you. It's not just a, a down and dirty digital file shoot for 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned creation fee. What's that? So that's just my session fee. I've always called it a creation fee. It's 250 and so that just covers, it doesn't include a portrait credit or anything. It's just my time to shoot the portraits and do an online gallery for them. I used to do in-person sales at the studio, but I can't do that now as a mobile business because by the time their images are ready to view, I'm in a different state. So I can't do that now. So it's an online gallery, but it's a view only gallery. They cannot order online. So I disable the cart and they have to do an ordering session over the phone with me. Phone or Zoom? Um, so kind of both. So I'm doing, I actually, I pay for a screen sharing app called Screen Leap is what I've been using. Sorry, Screen Leap or Leap? Leap, L-E-A-P. Right. And I'm sure Zoom could do the same thing. But the only reason I pay for that is because I want somebody to just be able to click on a link and see my screen right away and not have to download software. Right. And, you know, and mostly everyone because of the pandemic has Zoom and knows how to use it. But, you know, a lot of times you're being prompted to like download this and download that. And people are like, I don't want that. I don't want the confusion and the stress at the beginning of an ordering session. So I always just pay for software where it's a web link where just I send in an email, you know, a few minutes before their ordering session, they click on it. And then instantly they're like, oh, cool, I can see your screen. You know, and so to answer your question, if it's phone or Zoom, so it's that screen late, but I'm always talking on the phone. Um, I never talk through the computer because I'm never in Wi-Fi because I don't live in a house. I live in the van. So in case there's a delay, which a lot of times there is based on your reception, because I'm just hotspotting from my phone when I do ordering sessions, I always want to talk on the phone. So if there is a delay on the computer, there's not a delay in our conversation. Right. So you've got your data connection from your phone to use ScreenLeap, yep. but you're actually talking on the phone. So there's no delay. Correct. Got it. Correct. All right. Let me take you back a bit because I still want to fill in a couple of blanks here. Uh, I love this life that you're living and listening to you, I think this could work for a any portrait photographer, couldn't it? You wouldn't have to be a pet photographer to do what you're doing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I love it. So you're looking to take 50 creation fees before you set off on your road trip. Yeah. Okay. So you've got your 50 creation fees. You've got your map done. How long do you leave between each session, taking into account weather, travel time, whether you want to spend time in a certain place? Like that must all play a factor. Yeah, and it's an interesting jigsaw puzzle to put together for sure. Um, because there's times where it just doesn't work out seamlessly. And like, so like last year. 
premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. I don't want to finish with a creepy question, but um, have you had any like creepy situations or things like where you're actually worried or fearful? You know, um, so I guess a couple things with that. One is that my bloodhound Gracie is the sweetest dog in the whole world. If you meet her properly and if you don't, she's very protective. Like she'll actually bite someone. Right. So I have to be kind of careful. So, and a lot of people are like, that's amazing. I'm like, it is, but I always have to kind of be on guard, like knowing what situations she's good in. So in that sense, she's very protective of us and the van. So I always feel safe with her. And I guess the other thing to that is I was married to a cop for 15 years. So I've always just kind of like my brain has been trained to kind of like as much as you can, don't put yourself in a situation where, you know, it could be unsafe for you. Right. So I'm not really oblivious to what's happening. Maybe that's just being a female in general. I don't know. But, you know, it's just always like be aware of your surroundings, know your exits. Um, and I think that's why people say van life is so exhausting. You know, it's like you just you always know what's happening. You know who's camped around you. You know if you have reception or where the last spot was that you had reception. And if I ever get a weird vibe, I just leave. You know, if there's anyone I've ever camped next to or just like a vehicle that like doesn't really look like it belongs, I just leave. Cool. Okay. Weird question from an Aussie. Do you carry a gun? I don't. No, I don't. Yeah. I just, you know, and it's funny because I did on my very first road trip, um, because I was married to, you know, a cop at the time, he's like, you're taking a gun. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I feel safer with a gun. And you know, I went out and shot it with him and like, so I was comfortable handling it, but I was like, yes, I need to have a gun. And then it's like, after a few weeks, you're like, you kind of start rearranging stuff and moving it. And then after like a month, you're like, I don't even know where that is. Right. And then I'm like, see, like, where did I put that? And then like, you know, after the end of the road trip, I'm like, I really, I'm not, no, I'm not going to use this thing. So no, and I'm not against them or anything. I'm just, yeah, I don't, I have bear spray and I have wasp spray. Right. So those are the things that I carry with me. I carry bear spray with me when I go hiking, even if I'm in an area without bears just because that's my deterrent. But I've never felt like I don't want people to think that like we live on the edge and we're like scared all the time. I think it's like when you do something, then you realize it's not as scary. But when you're not doing it, you're just an outsider looking in, it sounds scary. Sure. Right. It's like, yeah. So I have a lot of even clients and like my clients, moms who follow me online who are just like, please be careful, honey. You know, but it's like, that would be scary to them because they've never done anything like that. But if they were to get out there and do it, you know, because there's times like in the beginning, I was like, yeah, the sun goes down, you close your door, like that's it. You don't get out again until the sun comes out. And now I'm like, but the stars are amazing and I want to be outside on a full moon. And, you know, so now it's, I think it's just your comfort level, what you get comfortable with. Absolutely. Arika, absolutely the last question. For someone thinking about doing this, what would you say to them? What are they thinking of? Living in a van full time or doing a photography road trip? Photography road trip. Listen, they've got a home, they've got a good business, but they want to do what you're doing for three months or a month. Okay. My advice would be you just have to do it regardless of how many sessions you book. So if you say you're going to go cross country, go and do a cross country road trip, even if you don't book sessions. Because the thing is, people don't want to support businesses who they don't think are doing well. And people, like I was saying with the map earlier, right? Like, even though I said I could go cross country, someone didn't reach out to me in Florida until I said I was going through Florida and showed them the map, right? So if you just tell people like, 
hey, like I'm going to go cross country and do a road trip. And then nobody books on the other side of the country. You still need to go because you need to prove to those people I'm going and I'm doing it. So even if they don't book this year, they might next year. Does that make sense? It does. So yeah, they don't need to know that you're not booking sessions. Just go do the road trip and photograph other things or volunteer your time at a shelter or do model calls or whatever, you know, but do other things, post portraits of what you're doing. And then people are like, oh my gosh, she goes across the country. It's so cool. I'm going to do a session with her. I love that. Does that make sense? It so does. Like, you just have to do it. So I thought your answer was going to be rent a van. Don't buy one to start, but I love your answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. And that's an investment too, right? So like for me, it's my home. So for me, I was okay making the investment. If I was still living in a house, I don't think I would have pulled the trigger because I think it would have been too big of a business expense Got it. to buy a van. Yeah, that makes sense. Arika, I've taken so much of your time. You've been an incredible guest. I've had so much fun talking to you. I've had like Aww. a thousand questions running through my head every time you gave an answer. So thank you so Aww. much. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I feel like I have all these questions because like I want to know so many things about you. It's like you do all these interviews and like, we're talking the whole time and you're listening, but do you ever do like podcasts where it's just you talking and you don't have a guest on? I don't. And I've been, <laughs> I've been told I should. <laughs> oh, so you need to do that. Yes. Mm. Because people want to learn about you too, right? Well, yeah. I give a little snippets through every interview, but I love talking to people like you and, and hearing about your lives. <laughs> yeah. Very well, thank you for doing this. It's so appreciated in the photography community. Yeah. Thank you for connecting all of us. Thanks, Arika. You've been an amazing guest and I can't wait to get this out to listen. So again, thank you so much. Awesome. All right, Andrew. Talk to you soon. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Arika as much as I did. Arika, if you are listening, thank you again so much for coming on, for sharing everything you did. You really, truly are an inspiration. I, I love what you are doing. I love your business model. Uh, like I said, it, it's inspirational. It really is. Since watching your van build on YouTube, which I've linked to in the show notes, so the listener can go and check that out as well. I've been seeing so many other videos popping up on van builds. I've got to say, I am intrigued. I love the idea of this. I'm not sure if I could go through a build myself. Uh, I could certainly see Linda and I taking off in a van for a year and heading around the country or even around Europe. That sounds amazing. And running my business while I'm doing that, that would be absolutely fantastic. So again, Arika, you've, you've inspired me. I'm sure you've done the same thing for the listeners. So thank you so much and looking forward to following along and seeing how your business grows and progresses over the years if you want it to. Because it sounds really cool the way it is right now. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what Arika shared. Do you or could you see yourself doing what she's doing and living that van life, you know, paying your way while you travel around the country or around the world? It really does sound incredible to me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what she shared. Was there one particular takeaway that you thought, yes, I can implement that in my business, whether or not I'm living the van life? I'd love to hear that too. Let me know in the comments area of the show notes which you'll find this week at photobizx.com forward slash 476. Now, in those show notes, I've got links to anything and everything that Arika mentioned in the interview. I've also got examples of her beautiful work. It's all there in that one spot. And of course, if you are a premium member, I'll be adding Arika into our members' Facebook group. So you'll have easy access to her there. Although I do know she is heading off on her road trip uh, in a matter of, I think it's either days now, so hopefully 
If you do have a follow-up question or a comment, or if you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did to Arika, she will see those inside our members' Facebook group. I've got two big shout-outs for today's episode. The first one goes to Wellington newborn photographer Laura Ridley in New Zealand, and she left a five-star rating and a lovely review in Google. She says, I have been a loyal PhotoBizX listener for years. Andrew has such a great way of knowing exactly what to ask to get all the best info out of his guests for the listeners. I've been able to take so many great tips from so many inspiring photographers and use them in my own business. I now have two studios in different cities and plan to expand further. Thanks again, Andrew, for the ever amazing content. Laura, that is amazing. Now, I've had you on the show before for a members-only interview. And for you, the listener, you'll be happy to know that since Laura left this review, we've been chatting and I've asked Laura to come back for a follow-up interview. So look out for that one later this year in 2022 because I love the idea that she has two studios now and is looking at expanding even further. Sounds amazing. And thank you again, Laura, for taking the time to leave that review. My second big shout out goes to Edinburgh headshot photographer Donna Green, who is from Scotland, of course. And Donna left a five-star rating and a lovely review in iTunes after a lot of dramas trying to leave a review in Google. So thank you so much, Donna. She left an incredible review. I want to read this one to you. She says, I'm a bit of a podcast junkie, I have to say, but this is by far my favorite of them all. Andrew is highly engaging, funny and personable to listen to, which is always great, of course. More importantly than that, he asks absolutely the best questions of his guests. Not only does he dig deeply into the details that most podcast hosts just don't, particularly the financial ones, nothing is held back. And the result is that we, the listeners, have a phenomenal bank of material to learn from. There's a vast range of photographers on the show, and I would urge other listeners never to skip an episode thinking, ah, that guy photographed something completely different to me. She says there are always heaps of learning points regardless of the genre. I mean, I'm a brand photographer in Edinburgh, Scotland, but I'm just as likely to learn loads from one of Andrew's guests who's a dog photographer in Melbourne or a wedding photographer in Arkansas. I've never yet listened to one episode which hasn't had many points highly relevant to my business too. She goes on to say in her last paragraph, there is one drawback though. It's tricky to listen to these podcasts when you're out walking the dog as you have to keep stopping to take notes on your phone of all the brilliant ideas you hear. I swear the other day I heard my dog shouting, will you switch that blooming Aussie off? Stop standing around fiddling on your phone and hurry up with our walk. I'm bored in a very huffy voice. (laughs) Donna, I love it. Again, thank you so much, Donna, for taking the time to leave that rating and review. It really was a pleasure to read. It really does help other photographers find, discover the podcast and hopefully go on to become premium members just like you and Laura. So again, massive thanks and looking forward to catching up with you in 2023 when Linda and I hope to be back in Scotland. Alrighty, that is going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Hope you got a ton from this one. Big thanks again to Arika for sharing what she did, for coming on and being our interview guest for today. Don't forget about the upcoming Facebook lead ads training course with John Glazer. It should be an absolute ripper. And if you are struggling for leads, this is the one course you do not want to miss. 
There are more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash lead ads. And of course, you'll have access to the recording if you can't make the live session. Alrighty, that really is it for me today. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 